Welcome to the Brew News Podcast, all the news that's fit to be brewed. I'm Andrew Jennings. And I'm Travis Matherly. Today we'll be taking a deep dive of Four Saints Brewing Company. Four Saints is a local brewery in Ashboro, North Carolina, and was started in 2015 by Andrew Deming and Joel McCloskey. Instead of doing online research, Joel was able and willing to sit down with us for a great interview. Joel gave us such a great interview that we'll be actually doing this as a two-parter. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part one of our interview with Joel McCloskey of Four Saints Brewing. So today we are with Joel from Four Saints Brewing down in Asheboro, North Carolina. Howdy. Hey, Joel. How's it going? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome so, to our humble brewery. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. So let's talk about where we are. We're actually recording in your brewing area. That's correct. All right. Yes. We are sitting in the basically the, the, the back part of our of our space. Uh, the front half of it is our tap room. Uh, it's roughly 2,500 square feet. But if you take out all the tables and all that other stuff, it's less than that. And then the other half of our of our building is uh, is the brewery space. Um, we do a uh, we have a seven barrel system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, two 15 barrel, three seven barrel fermenters, one 15 barrel, one seven barrel bright tank or conditioning tank, whatever you want to call them. And so and Andrew's our uh, he's my business partner. He's a head brewer, our chief operator. Uh, he brews for the most part. He's brewing about. They were from three to five times a week, just um, keeping us keeping us up to date and keeping things on tap and in package and all that great stuff. So, but yeah, there's always beer. We've got plenty of barrels. We didn't intend to have a barrel program, but uh, we got one barrel, and it's kind of like a tattoo. You get one, you want another. So <laughs> we've got barrels. Uh, so we have we have some fun with that too. But the this brewery, the the space itself, the building. Was actually built in the early, late early 1900s, and it was uh, built as a Buick dealership. And so the front half of the building was the show show floor space. Mm-hmm. So back in those days, you, you know, the cars sat there, and you came in and you looked at them. You know, you you, you talked to salespeople, and they brought you down. You sat in them, got you asked your questions, and then you walked away. You didn't walk away with the car uh, because they had to. They weren't put together complete. So it was literal a literal showroom. And, they would call in your order for Model XYZ. You would come in on the railroad. And in the area that we're sitting right now is actually where they would put the cars together. So this was kind of like a, an assembly. I want to go so far as to say an assembly plant, but it's certainly an assembly area. Mm-hmm. And so cars were put together, and when they were done, they'd give you a holler, however they did in 1915. And you would come and pick up your Buick and putz away down Fayetteville Street at you know, seven miles an hour, envy of all your friends. and. But when we uh, when we got this when we locked down this space, it wasn't intended. But the reality was, is we were basically taking this building back to what it, what it once was. Our tap room is our showroom. We're showing mm-hmm. off the beers that we're doing here and this space that we're in right now with the with the tanks and the barrels and the kegs and boiler and ingredients and all that stuff is it's it's our assembly, you know, it's our assembly plant. It's where we put everything. It's where Andrew puts everything together to create the product that we get to show off up front. So it's kind of neat the way that it, you know that all, everything all kind of comes back. Everything's circular. Mm-hmm. Everything's a remix. Whatever. <laughs> it's just it was it was it was it was fun to do that. And uh, the family that owns the building was really uh, they were really keen on that idea too. Yeah, I like it. I was going to mention that the barrels impart a very good smell <laughs> in here as well. It's part distillery, part brewery. When you walk in, it smells great. Oh yeah, we've got a we've got a number of different uh, we got a number of different barrels. We 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 do a lot of uh, we do a lot of bourbon barrel stuff. Um, that's just past Black Friday, we released our our bourbon barrel and uh, imperial stout, which we do every year. 
and then we'll take those barrels and we'll reuse them and we've aged uh our amber ale and bourbon barrels we've aged our belgian double and bourbon barrels our belgian stout our esb uh so those second use barrels we 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 have some fun with them Mm -hmm. um but we also uh, over here i think we have uh We've got some brandy barrels going right now with a barley wine inside of them. We have a we have a Brett Saison. We have a Brett IPA that are uh, all aging in barrels right now. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure we've got our um, our wine barreled Blondale aging as well. Yeah, we have we have some fun with the barrels. We uh, enjoy what what they bring out, and, and we up front we have. Uh, in the tap room, I think geez, I think they're going on a year and a half now. We've got a Flanders experiment that's that's going on, and we've got a lot of people asking when that's going to be ready. And it's you know with that particular style, it could be anywhere from two to three to five to seven years, and whenever it tastes right. Yeah, and that's and, that, and that's it. People are like, how do you know when it's done? And that's and that's all Andrew. I mean, he's our head brewer. He's the he's the palate that you know that uh, makes this makes a lot of this business run. So he. He tastes it every now and again. Um, some of the barrels are a little more frequent, but like those Flanders barrels, he it's about every maybe two months, maybe, mm-hmm. and sees how it's going. And so far, he hasn't pitched them, so <laughs> they must they must be still going along the right way. You'll walk in one day <laughs> yeah. and they'll be cracked no. and be like, okay, I guess yeah, it's yeah. time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, every time he tastes them, it's always kind of like, well, what's going to happen? Because it's you know, it's uh, a lot of what happens back here rests on his palate. I mean, it's uh, when. When the beer is sitting there, he's you know he's tasting it. It's is it is it meeting all the requirements for him as the head brewer, from a smell standpoint, from a taste standpoint, you know from uh, from the look standpoint. For a, a lot of places, small breweries like this, the head brewer is is the main cog. So right. I'm fortunate that he's my not only my friend but he's also my business partner, and right. he's got he's got it uh, as much you know blood sweat and tears in this place as i do so um i don't plan on him taking an offer anywhere else so. <laughs> notice i said i don't plan on it so i don't yeah it'd be an interesting conundrum that's good i know your barrel program's pretty robust i've seen the uh rum barrel aged stout one yes that one yeah i think last year you guys did what the uh the four cans we did that yeah and out of those four because we split the four stouts yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we did my personal favorite, yeah, I think you like the BBA and Pending Grace. Yeah. And I yeah, lo- my, my favorite favorite. the rum barrel, yep. uh, my favorite was the Rum Barrel Stout. Stout one. Yeah, that Rum Barrel Stout, we had, uh, we ran across some Raleigh, it was Raleigh Rum. Ran across two of, the bar- two of their barrels uh, at a decent price. Um, they were still in good condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, who had them? I, I can't remember who actually had them, but they ended up changing what they were going to do. So they didn't want the barrels. And so we jumped on them mm-hmm. and... It was just it was it was perfect timing, and we put our stout one, which is uh, it's our year-round stout. You know, it's five point four percent, great chocolate coffee notes. It's not too heavy, it's not too light, so it's great in the summertime. It's great in the wintertime. We don't add any chocolate or coffee to it. It's all from it's all malt-driven, and so we took that beer and uh, we put it in those rum barrels. and And I can I can say that of all the beers that Andrew has done over the past. I mean, we've been open since May of 2015, so we're, we're coming up on four years, plus the number of years beforehand uh, homebrewing. That rum barrel stout one sits in my top five that we've ever done, and I've got I have I have one can at home, and 
just hanging on. For it's, dear yeah, because it's 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 gonna get you know we're gonna drink it eventually. It's just mm-hmm. I don't want to because yeah, I'm so hoping like, I, get I love point. it and I want to have it, but <laughs> once I have it, it's gone and I won't have it. Right. Anymore. So I mean, it's a, you know part of that whole beer culture you know right now and some really ridiculous stuff. But um, that beer I know is I don't think it was one of those you know lightning in a bottle one time only things. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure we could hit it again, but. It was just so damn good. Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really hard to go. Ugh. If I had but, known that it wasn't uh, wasn't in the regular rotation, I would have kept a bottle. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we did that. We did that four pack last year. We um, we had never done a variety pack before, and we had these four stouts, and it was really nice because we had the imperial stout and the bourbon imperial stout. We had the stout one, and then we had the rum stout one. So mm-hmm. we had you know the the standard version, and then we had a barrel version, which was really cool, mm-hmm. and so. This year we did it. We did the the four pack again, and we had the Imperial Stout, Bourbon Imperial Stout, Stout One, and uh, this year that that fourth can was the uh, Yoga Pants Latte, which is uh, it's a it's a wintry ale. It was. Uh, <laughs> we did a whole episode on this. I've, I've, I've seen the can where it's the little yes. like UGG style. Boots. Yeah, and the artist who the artist who did the the can is actually sitting out out in our tap room right now. His name's Rich Powell. He. Uh, he lives here in Ashboro. He's been, uh, he still is. He's, uh, he's, he does art for Mad Magazine. Um, he does the hidden pictures for Highlights Magazine. Oh, wow. um, he, if you remember back in the mid '90s, uh, like the Sierra Games, like uh, King's Quest, Leisure Suit Larry, Space Quest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he that worked, art style. He worked on all those. He worked on those games. Uh, so he's got a, he's got quite a resume. Uh, but he's, he's an illustrator, and we. We said, "Hey, this is the beer we want to do. And the beer we're going to do. We need a we need a, a can design." And he, he whipped it up, and that beer started as a as one of our devil's advocates. Which every Wednesday we have a small batch, about five gallons worth, typically. And sometimes it's a one off. Sometimes it's a, a variant of what we already have. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a couple weeks ago we did a uh, a guest tap from 1111 up in greensboro because oh, yeah. we we had never done a california common we wanted to try their oh there's the, yeah the common good. bastard which was really yeah. went over extraordinarily well here which helped inform us about what people are looking for but we do a belgian pumpkin beer every fall and we do uh we take our genesis belgian double which is our year round mm-hmm. and we add local pumpkins to it and we got a farmer that we work with and you know, get roast. You know, take the pumpkins, roast them up, put them in there. So it's actually it comes across more pumpkiny than just pumpkin spices. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the first year we did that, we decided to do a devil's advocate with it by adding coffee, vanilla, extra spices, and some lactose. Go with the whole pumpkin latte, you know, pumpkin spice latte thing. Yeah. And we put a six to one tap on a Wednesday, and it was gone before the end of the day. So the next year we decided to do a half barrel. It was gone in a day and a half. <laughs> um, and so this year we decided to put it in cans, and it's gone over extraordinarily well. And it's 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 been fun to watch. It's basically it, it, typically men uh, come in and they they'll go through them. They're drinking the Schwartz beers or they're the blonde. They're drinking the amber, and they don't have any problem saying it by name. Like give me the Popish Clay, give me the Omi, uh, give me the give me the Delishu, give me. The, and they get to that one, they're like, "Just I'll take that one," and they just point at the menu. And our bartenders have—they've—they've they've had a fun time going. You have to say it. You have to say, it. "Oh, I'm not gonna, no, I'm not saying it. I, you, you know which one I want." And, and it's always—it's always like the the biggest, gruffest guys. And then eventually they go, "I'll 
I'll take the yoga pants latte. Because <laughs> <laughs> the beer drinks the the beer drinks like a fantastic coffee beer, and so yeah. it um, we're actually gonna make that a quarterly offering. And uh, first quarter of 2019, we're gonna do a mocha latte. Mm-hmm. Uh, second quarter, we're gonna do a lavender latte. Third quarter is when we're gonna bring out the original, the OG, just yoga pants latte with the pumpkins and coffee and spices, and then. Fourth quarter, we're going to either do a, a peppermint or a hazelnut. We're going to actually put that out there for a for a vote for everybody to, to kind of give us some direction. But it, it turned out so well. I mean, it turned like I said, it turned out really well from a distribution standpoint in in here in the tap room. That those some again, that's a that devil's advocate mentality. Is sometimes we put it on, we try it out, we see what it's like, and if it does really well, it becomes a production batch. And and now you know this particular beer has become. You know, a seasonal offering with some variation. So that's you know the fun part of the experimentation. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I'm drinking one of the Devil's Advocates, the Snow White. Snoo Snoo. Snoo. I mean, there's a lot of E's and there's a U's no, yes. in there. Snoo S S N E E U W. It's um that's Dutch for snow. Okay. It's our white IPA. We bring it out every. Um, we actually bring it out every uh, January. Typically of January, and every for the past two years, we the week that it's released, it has snowed. So please not. No, no, we got. Wait, it iced last weekend though. It, it did. It did ice on Sunday, but it, it's been out for a little. It, 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 it was beautiful weather for this week, but uh, no, it's um, the Devil's Advocate. This week is that beer, uh, the white IP, a Belgian. Uh, I'm sorry, a white IPA with. Um, some mango and jalapeno. Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, this new white IPA is one of our more sought after ones, uh, mm-hmm. which is really funny because with all the, the craze, you know, all the craze around haze and, and milkshake this and, you know, or just give me an IPA, the, this white IPA does phenomenally well, phenomenally well. Uh, it just, it's, it's crisp, clean. Uh, the addition of the orange peel just accentuates the, the, the hops that are in it. So, yeah, that's not a style that you see typically a lot in a lot of tap rooms. I've no. genuinely been shocked that it's not because it's so it's such an approachable IPA, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like, oh yeah, it's like the original hazy IPA. Really. Well, that's what and people. That's what they you know they when we opened, we didn't have an IPA, so we we opened our doors with our what are now what are still our six year round beers, which is a, a blonde ale, a German wheat, uh, an amber ale. An ESB, a Belgian double, and our stout. Mm-hmm. And so people told us, and I say people because it was everybody from customers to our Kickstarters to other people in the industry going, so you're going to open your doors, you're going to open up a brewery in 2015, and you're opening without an IPA. You're opening without a pale ale. You're opening with nothing hoppy. And Andrew and I, yeah, that's what we're doing. And the reason was is there was, first, there was so many IPAs in the market mm-hmm. at that time. It was almost just just this cacophony of just hops. But what we weren't finding were those malt forward beers. Mm-hmm. And you know, while I enjoy a, a, a well done IPA, I enjoy malty beers a little bit more. And that's the same with Andrew. And so we decided to open up with those six malt forward styles. And it was probably so we opened up in May. It was probably about four months, five months maybe, we went ahead and uh, we did our first IPA style because 
you know, the, the whole idea of the, you know, the customer is always right. It's not a matter of, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. But if you're a shoe store and everybody's coming in asking for green shoes, you better start selling green shoes. And so, <laughs> so we had distribution customers. We had taproom customers that were interested in, you know, obviously interested in IPAs. And so we, we, we broke rank and we did our first IPA, which was a session IPA. Just to be snarky, and <laughs> like, we're gonna do it, but we're barely gonna do we're, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna do it, do it but, but but kinda. <laughs> and then like a British IPA that's yeah. like so malt forward. Yeah. <laughs> Americans still recognize. We actually it. have one of those now, but we uh, and then we we named it. You asked for it, and so that was uh, you asked for it. Session IPA. It's still one of the beers that we do year round, and mm-hmm. and what we what what became of that was we focused on different styles of IPA. So instead of going, here's our IPA, it was we we Andrew Brews IPAs, we sell IPAs, but it's gonna it's gonna swap up. So it got to the point where we were, you know, it was basically about once a month there was a new IPA coming out and we've done the white IPA, the black IPA, red IPA, Belgian IPA, English IPA, uh, straight American IPA, double IPA. So we just took that style and kind of looked at it and, and experimented with it. And from a distribution standpoint, it was, was fun because we were doing certain IPA styles that weren't all over the place. Mm-hmm. So you could get a bunch of American-style IPAs, but these guys have a black IPA. Let's go ahead and give it a try. And, yeah. um, and from the tap room, it was, it was a good way to educate our local consumers about the vast variety that was out there. That, you know, an IPA is not an IPA is not an IPA. It's like an amber is not an amber, not an amber. Right. And so... Um, the IPAs have done, they've done well. I mean, it's, IPAs are still, they're still king. Yeah. And people are, as, as, as much as, as many media sources that are trying to really push those pilsers and lagers as the next big thing, they've been, you know, I've <laughs> been trying to do that for the past two years. And I mean, IPAs are still, they're still, I mean, it's still our number one request. IPAs. What's that? <laughs> and then you end up with broad IPAs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. We've got, you know, now you have the brood IPAs <laughs> and everything else that goes along with it. And. We got a little heavy at some at one point. We had about five or six IPAs on just this, this past fall, and it was too much. I mean, right. we have sixteen taps, you know, five or six of them were IPAs, and it was just it's too much. It was overload. We saw that in our customers. We saw that in sales. We saw that everywhere, and so kind of cleaned the slate. And now we're kind of back to that, you know, just basically one at a time. So right. the white IPA is what's on right now, and it sold sold much faster than we anticipated. So. There's going to be about a two-week span where there's not going to be any IPAs on tap. <laughs> our, our bartenders will catch some flack, but it gives them opportunity to help some of those drinkers find something else. Right. Try something else. You know, hey, I, you, this is what you like about IPAs. You like these the, 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 the fruity characteristics? Well, try, you know, have you tried the Belgian doubles? So add some of those fruity characteristics. Mm-hmm. It's not as hoppy or spicy, but so they have some fun with it. And it, and it, helps, our, it helps our customer base. Okay. In a good way. Now, um, let's talk about your customer base because sure. you're located in Ashboro. Uh, yep. And they were, we talked about this before we started recording, but mm-hmm. they were one of the last holdouts in yep. North Carolina for allowing uh, alcohol in yep. general. It was a teetotaling town for oh, yeah. quite some time. I, I mean, I grew up just north of here, and we always said, you know, you can't go down to Randolph County, you can't go down to Ashboro to get mm-hmm. any alcohol or any booze. <laughs> and now you said they, that. They uh, lifted the prohibition in 2008. That's correct. And you guys opened in 2015. You're the only brewery yep. in Randolph County, to my knowledge. We are the only and the first legal brewery in Randolph County. Yeah, yeah putting that, it, we there's there's some 
for some, there's a necessity to put the legal part because the whole moonshining aspect of things. But oh, yeah. um, my family's from Western North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we were like, oh, there were breweries. Like, okay, yes, yeah, I know there were breweries, but not you know not state recognized breweries, but maybe by the police. Anyways, um, <laughs> Ashboro went dry in the fifties. Uh, maybe the, the whole county went dry in the fifties. But it was, uh, I moved into Ashboro in 2004, and the only place that you could buy alcohol was uh, at the country club, mm-hmm. right? So that was, I mean, it was because it was a private club. So you couldn't go into a, you know, you couldn't sit down at a restaurant and get a steak and have a beer. You couldn't go into the grocery store and, and uh, you know, pick up a bottle of wine to, to take home and do for dinner. So by the time I got here, Ashboro was still completely dry. But there were parts of Randolph County that were wet. So you had to go up to Randleman. And in Randleman, you could, there wasn't on premise drinking, but there was off premise. So you could go and get that six pack or that 12 pack or that, mm-hmm. go to the ABC store and you know, pick up a, a bottle of, of bourbon or you know, get wine or whatever. But you had to take it home. And so 2000, um, it was 2008, and it was the seventh, seventh attempt at a re- referendum. Where it was, you know, bringing it up and uh, trying to get people to, to vote for it. And um, previous attempts were blocked and voted down by, we'll say, uh, I think how you put this tactfully. Um, teetotalers? Well, yeah, the teetotalers, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was denied on quote-unquote moral grounds. Okay. That, you know, if you know, alcohol, was, alcohol was taken out of, of Ashburn Randolph County because... They were dealing with so many issues that were being attributed to alcohol. How do you deal with that? Well, you just get rid of it. So, yeah. um, you know, in, in, in getting rid of it, what that what that ended up causing was was the unfortunate part of people driving to get alcohol or driving out of town and, and sitting down and having more than they should and, and driving home. And Randolph County, per capita, had more DUI instances and situations than anywhere else in North Carolina. So per capita. And so people are like, well, there's more out in Raleigh. Like, right. But per capita, the most happened here. And so there's it's like a very specific size of Raleigh. Right. And so, <laughs> so when you put it, when you put, you know, when you put it in the, and you put it into those kind of contexts, you know, there's obviously one, there was a, there was a want and desire for it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a want and desire from the, you know, only from the, you know, from the shady parts of town or anything it was everybody it was um every 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 socioeconomic status every every walk of life every uh every type of professional every type of worker white collar blue collar whatever having a beer having having a wine having a mixed drink everybody and i say everybody everybody who wanted to found a way to get it so from on those moral grounds so to speak they they were uh people were those groups were able to vote it down, and so they were. I've, I've personally never experienced it, but from you know, from what I've been told and from firsthand, uh, firsthand stories of there were sermons at the pulpit about voting against it. There were um, there were buses of people that were picked up by organizers of the of the against side that would go to certain areas in certain. Um, retirement homes or retirement villages whatever and bus people in that they knew would say no and then bus them back and so what made 2008 different was 
Steve Schmidley and his daughter, Brooke Schmidley, they organized. It wasn't just a bunch of people going, we want a beer. They found and realized the, the direction. And so it was the, the, the campaign was called For the Future of, of, of Ashboro. For the Future of Ashboro, the idea that it was about bringing in different restaurants. Because there were restaurants that were interested to come into Ashboro, but if they couldn't put in a bar, they weren't going to come. Yeah. It was about about tax revenue. It was about um, raising the quality of life. It was about the fact that there was a lot of complaints of, oh, you know, young people come into town. They, we have all these young teachers, and they all choose to live up in Greensboro. Why don't they live here in town near the schools that they work in, or why don't they live in our community? And it was a simple answer. You know, there was uh, lack of. You know, when <laughs> you're twenty, taught, you absolutely need a ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're twenty, when, yeah, when you're, you're twenty four, you're twenty five, you you want to be able to go somewhere and have a beer. I mean, I just you don't want to just walk through the park holding hands at sunset. <laughs> you want to be able to go out and do so. Something. It was so they they found this they found that that vision that it was for the future of Ashboro, mm-hmm. and they really they honed in on that. And at that time, it was the that committee for the future of Ashboro. It had come time for those that were previously afraid to speak out for fear of ramifications of what if I do, saying, if we don't, then none of it matters. Right. You know, then jobs are going to leave, our town's going to, you know, shrivel up and all this other stuff. So they, they really found they, they really found their foothold, um, got out there and showed that it wasn't something to be scared and embarrassed about, you know. And, you know, because at that time, if it, I was a teacher and, you know, we were told, we were to, literally told that to be careful if we went up to Randleman to buy beer at Walmart because you might run into one of your students' parents. And do you want them thinking that you drank beer? It's like, you're an adult. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. have, you have just by you have just by being 21 have been granted the right and privilege to buy a beer if you want to. Now, obviously, you know, going out and getting trashed is one thing, but having a beer, you know, so that we were told, you know, be careful where you go, be careful with this. And, be, and it wasn't so much like, hey, don't be dumb. We don't want to have to fire you because you did something stupid. It was, you know, somebody might talk about you. And so that was the mentality. And so 2008, basically, you know, a lot of people just kind of said, you know what, we're tired of it. You know, I had one guy look at me and goes, I'm 60. And I'm tired of being afraid that somebody might see me buying a bottle of wine. Because that's stupid. And it is, you know. And mm-hmm. so they organized. They got together. And uh, they the, the vote passed. It was July it was July 29, 2008. And it passed 2 to 1. And uh, it certainly was a turning point. I mean, mm-hmm. in 2008, Ashboro, there was a number of things going on. So you got the great recession, recession that was going on. Mm-hmm. So people were losing their jobs around here left and right, like a lot of communities. You know, businesses were picking up and leaving and, and you know, these companies of 401ks and everything else that people had been invested in were just gone. All right. So you have that happening. Forbes magazine called Ashboro one of the fastest dying towns in America, fastest dying cities in America. <laughs> 60 Minutes came to town and did a story about it. Um, How fast are you dying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, seriously. I mean, in the 60 Minutes, you can still find, you still find the article from Forbes and the 60 Minutes uh, clip online. But, the, you know, 60 Minutes came and, you know, they, they showed the, the why that happened. But then they showed the other side of, like, but here's what they didn't cover. Here's what, they, you know, they didn't talk about the things that were going on in RCC with, you know, their advanced fabrication and manufacturing and, and the visions that they had to reverse that trend. 
Yeah, they didn't. They you know, sixty minutes went and talked to uh, a couple companies in town, so they showed the other side of it. This, you know, that's not going to grab headlines, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so you had that happening. The referendum passed, and so people losing jobs and and that Forbes article, it really, I mean, it pissed people off. And so this town has a lot of, uh, um, they have a lot of pride. That basically their pride was was put at stake, and basically saying, you know, look, you know. This town is, you know, according to this company, you guys aren't good enough because they left. And this national publication says y'all are dying. And a good number, a group of people in Ashboro were like, screw that. That's not the case. And, you know, pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and, and decided to make a change. And a lot of small communities are built on the backs of small businesses. Mm-hmm. And so these people that were working for these, you know, national companies and all, decided to start their own businesses and start small businesses and and support the community and you know that whole idea of support local be local all that it started to really take hold and still is and so um 2008 was certainly a turning point in in ashboro and and that was um that's actually the year that i met andrew who obviously now is my you know business partner and head brewer and a guy that I decided to start a small business with. So <laughs> 2008 was a pretty big year. <laughs> um, so it sounds like you did a transition from, you said you were a teacher. Yes. Uh, K-12? I was a uh, fourth grade teacher here in Ashboro. Oh, wow. Um, started with fourth grade. I moved down here. I was teaching. I taught in Pittsburgh. I was taught in a um, alternative high school. Mm-hmm. So I taught ninth and 10th grade up there. It wasn't paying paying my bills. Uh, it was I was working a, a second job. And uh, I wanted, since that school, it wasn't. A public school um, there wasn't really much more that could be done with it so mm-hmm. getting a public school job in Pennsylvania at the time was more of uh, who you knew rather than what you knew and so North Carolina was having a teacher shortage at that point and I was actually born in Chapel Hill a family from Southwest Pennsylvania moved to North Carolina started our family moved us back north to be around extended family and that moved moved back up to Pennsylvania when I was five, and at five years old, I told everybody I was gonna that I hated Pennsylvania, and then I was gonna move back to North Carolina when I got the chance. So, you know, fast forward, you know, 20, 19 years, twenty years, North Carolina was in a, a teacher shortage. I didn't hate Pennsylvania at that time. I grew to you know grew to love it, and um, decided that it was the time to go. So, canvassed the state, and uh, I ended up in Ashboro, and I taught uh, fourth grade at. Balfour Elementary. It's where uh, I taught there for five years. It's where I met Kristen, who is uh, who's my wife, and it's where I met Amy, who is Andrew's wife, and how I ended up meeting Andrew. And then um, so I spent five years doing that, and then five years um, teaching and doing some instructional coaching with the district and everything. And uh, I left uh, I left Ashbury City Schools in twenty June of twenty fourteen. So it was. Uh, just a couple months after uh, my daughter Estelle was born. So, yeah. That was a great interview we had with Joel. Uh, Thank you so much, Joel, again, for taking the time to sit down with us uh, and host us at the brewery. It was wonderful. Yeah, and that was only part one of a two-part series of our interview with Joel. Yes. So don't worry. We didn't just cut him off and say enough, enough. Uh, we have plenty more. We have next you week. Stop so- it. We've got enough material. <laughs> we need no more from you. Uh, but so to break up uh, this interview, so you have a little bit more one, so we get more content and two uh, Hashtag content creators. Heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Also, we wanted to try some of the beers that uh, we talk about mm-hmm. in our interview. So the first one we're going to have is the Yoga Pants Latte. Yes. This is a 6.1% ABV 18 IBU pumpkin slash yam beer. So you'll remember Joel talking about it in the uh, interview more, so we won't really go into much detail on it here to be full disclosure. There's not a lot of information about it online. So what we've got is uh, what I'm staring at on the can right now as Andrew took it away from me and I can no longer see it. It is a wintry ale brewed with pumpkin, spices, coffee, and vanilla. It is also unfiltered, unpasteurized, just like uh, Gibbs. just like Gibbs last week. And they mm-hmm. are part of the Triad Brewers Alliance and an independent craft brewery for Saints is. So, yeah. So this is a uh, harkening back to our October episode. Oh wow! Whoa, that's some spiciness. That is a lot of spices. That is a lot of pumpkin spices. <laughs> Which he did say they were going for like the pumpkin spice latte being quote yeah. unquote basic and playing Maybe, off of it. I mean, the can art is funny too with oh. the little UGG boots and yoga pants and in the snow. Yeah. It's... Well, it looks like whoever the lady is or man wearing the yoga pants and UGG boots uh, piddled in the snow. Oh, I guess I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like they blooped it. Well, it's funny because it's Ashboro. There's almost no snow there. So there's that probably absolutely no snow in Ashboro. <laughs> well, that is that's spicy I, on the nose. I, I will get say into vanilla, this. Vanilla definitely on the nose, and mm-hmm. the, I will give them all of those things: spices, coffee, and vanilla. I like that a lot. Hmm. That is. It's spicy. It is, and it's spicy like it a, is. a heavy. Heavy pumpkin spice, like too much pumpkin spices. Mm. Uh, not, it's got a little bit of cinnamon heat to it, just um, a touch. But it's more like the allspice, like yeah. clove, cinnamon. Uh, oh gosh, let me run through my baking spices. We're not going through that today. Oh okay, okay. <laughs> so it's nutmeg. Oh, it's got good vanilla on it too, which I'm always a huge fan. Well, you know, so this is one of those things. Like those spices, this is different than a lot of the ones we did for the pumpkin beer episode last year the spice on this one hits you up front and then it goes away yeah like it doesn't linger on your palate like a lot of them tended to and it's not overly sweet i was afraid with the vanilla it might be just a touch sweet because sometimes these beers tend to be that way but it it's not sweet or it's not overly sweet this is well balanced it cleans like you said it's not cloying it doesn't hang around Mm -hmm. like that cinnamon nutmeg hit up front fades away into like more roasty pumpkin vanilla the coffee's kind of hanging out in the background mm-hmm. but i guess that's probably having never actually had a pumpkin spice latte that's probably how it tastes the coffee's <laughs> hanging out in the background while everything else is up front oh uh, well that's good i'm gonna let's move us on to our the last beer well, of this tasting me. yeah so joel was mentioning about their <clears throat> stout four pack and that's what this is that we're drinking from so Let's grab their stout one. Not just one stout, but the stout one. Right. It's it, a stout one. It is that. Uh, so this is an American stout, uh, 5.6% ABV, 24.5 IBUs, and 43.9 SRMs. Uh, this is aptly named. The stout one was actually their first venture as a brewing company. The combination of malts, roasted barley, and rolled oats builds the foundation of what should be a chocolatey, sweet, smoky, full-bodied stout. The conversion from simple to complex begins with earthy fugal hops and a California ale yeast. Accentuation. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, I, I had to burp. Uh, oh, I was going to say, is that? It looks like Fuggles. Fuggles. Yeah, Fugles, Fuggles. The Fuggles uh, hops. There's the double G makes me think it's Fuggles. Like Muggles. Like the like the Wuggles. The Weeble and the Wobble and the I Wuggles. I was thinking Muggles. Oh, yeah, the, them too. 
that uses charred whiskey oak and full Madagascar yeah, full Madagascar vanilla beans complete the ascension from earthy to ethereal. Ooh. And it adds to the final assurance. Stout one was meant to be. Dang. I did find something cool about this, too. The reason why it's called Stout One, and when they did their first opening, they actually had a they had two stouts. They had Stout One and Stout Two. They're going to let people decide which one was best. I don't even know if they were planning on that. They were just... Stout we One have, and Stout the Lesser? Well, they had Stout One and Stout Two, and people kept asking for Stout One. That was the first one they sold out of, of the two stouts. So they said, okay, we're going to make Stout One. That's our stout. <laughs> I'm going to say also whoever wrote that descriptor had their thesaurus out because that was insane. <laughs> there was a lot of it. That almost read like a burial quote on the back of their cans. <laughs> oh, well, tell me what you smell on that because it's got a smoke. lot. Yeah. <clears throat> that smoke. The nose is really heavy smoke, which is not a bad thing. No. I And, uh, well, well, honestly, I love smoked beers. But it's chocolatey, but that smoke aroma... That charred whiskey oak, so it's like goes in with the vanilla bean. So like the whiskey plays into the vanilla, plays into the smoke. So that's kind of more almost like a scotch. But I don't know. It's it's almost like a little smoked sausagey. Yeah, I can see that. It's tasty. Um, it's very smoky in general. When I got it, when I started tasting it, the smoke to me overpowers a lot. But it's I like smoke. I like smoked beer, so it's not a yeah, so it's been a while since I've had this one. The smoke is very powerful. I do get some of the whiskey notes in there. Chocolatey. I wouldn't say it's very sweet. Not at all. It's no, a little no, no, no. more... I'll give them the vanilla, but there's like the slightest whiskey. It's like I put a wood chip in my mouth mm-hmm. with the char on it. Or like you ate like a piece of meat that was like char real heavy on the grill. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly. And what you have that, that blackened yeah. char like flavor in your mouth, but I really like that with the smoke mm-hmm. flavor. So this would be like a perfect beer with like just a plain old steak. Yes. Like seasoned just salt and pepper. Get some man meat. Mm-hmm. Get yourself some grilled up fine man meat. I don't think you should tell our listeners to be seeking man meat. Look, they can seek whatever they want. <laughs> they can I'm have not, whatever meat they please. I do not judge our listeners. Still family friendly, <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, that's actually like I almost would have thought like if you hand me this one without saying it's just an American stout, I would call that a smoked beer. Like categorize it as a smoked beer. But I really enjoy. I think the oats and all that kind of do round it out a little bit. There's uh, a lot happening with this beer. Yeah, but but I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that was great. Well, that concludes this episode. And <laughs> <laughs> Two beers. We've really narrowed it down from last year where we were doing seven beer tastings. Hey, we have more Four Saints coming up for you guys next week. Mm-hmm. So um, stay we had tuned. to split it apart. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned for the next episode from Four Saints. And uh, we'll do a few more of their uh, stouts uh, for our tasting next week. Yes, we will. Thank you guys for listening. Again, thanks to Joel. Really appreciate his time. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the first half of our interview with him. It was a great time for us, and hopefully Joel enjoyed himself as much as we did. I was just couldn't stop looking around the barrel room for the most part. But anyways, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this week's Brew News. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and give us a rating in whichever app you found us on. We value your feedback, and it also helps the show reach more listeners. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for future breweries or with a brewery and would like to join us, feel free to tweet or follow us on Twitter 
at brew underscore news. We're on Instagram at brewnewspod, and you can visit our website, brewnewspod.com, where we will post links, photos, and tasting notes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with more exciting brew news. Cheers. Cheers. Have you ever wondered how you could join the Brew News crew? We'll swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod and you can join us. We have three different tiers for all of our patrons. At the logger level, you earn early access to all of our podcast episodes. At the IPA level, you get early access to our podcast episodes, but you get special weekly beer tastings that are done by various members of the crew. And you get special video presentations, including our Beer Miss Special. At the stout level, you get everything you get at the IPA level, but you also get to appear on one episode of the Brew News Pod, and when we have some swag, we'll send some your way. So feel free to swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod. That again is patreon.com slash brewnewspod and join the crew.